Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome all you Chicago Bulls fans to another exciting episode of the Chicago Bulls Sports Ethos Sports Coverage Show. <laughs> I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined by the one and only Daniel Greenberg here, who runs Shy Sports Updates, a Chicago sports Twitter account that has over 50K active followers on Twitter. Uh, I get a lot of my news from this guy, man. Daniel, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> doing just fine, man. I'm... Super excited to talk some uh, Chicago Bulls with you, man, uh, and, you know, just talk about how the team's doing. Obviously, doing a lot better than we would have ever probably imagined in the preseason leading up into the season. Um, but before we get into just kind of the modern, you know, Bulls team that we're going to talk about today, uh, we will recap the the Nets game also because I know I owe you guys a recap for that game. But I uh, just want to talk to you, Daniel, about just your, you know, journey how you got to be basically, you know, one of the Chicago sports media figureheads. Uh, I would say I get a lot of my news, like I said, from you uh, on Bulls Twitter. So uh, could you just talk me through just how, kind of your history, you know, covering the Bulls, how you became a Bulls fan, all that good stuff? Yeah, so originally it was I made accounts just for like every single Chicago sports account, um, like Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox, um, Bears, just because I'm a fan of Chicago sports in general. And I've always had a lot of opinions about my Chicago sports teams. So I started it when Twitter was pr- pretty new. It was about one or two years. Um, and I started it, you know, got a lot of followers from that. Um, and then I made one, which I have right now, which is the Shy Sport Updates. Um, I grew that account. And then I sold my other accounts. Um, and then I left this one. So this is my sole focus. Um, basically, you know, I'm a passionate Chicago sports fan. And I've always like loved watching Chicago sports games and rooting for the sports team. So created an, an account, you know, grew the followers. Um, I tweet scores, um, news and updates. And, you know, that's where I am right now with with the over 50,000 followers. That's awesome. Man. And are you are you from Chicago? Are you Chicago based? Uh, did you grow up yep. there? Yeah, Yep, from Chicago. Still living there now? Yes. OK, so, uh, yeah, I'm originally from from the suburbs and from Elgin. I lived in the city proper for maybe the last five or six years. That I lived there. So um, then I moved to Alabama. Now I'm in Kansas. So go figure. But uh, no, it's it's cool, man. I obviously I still follow all the Chicago sports. Um, now, are you a Cubs fan or a Sox fan? Uh, I'm a fan of both. You're a fan of both. That's like, I don't know, it's a little bit sacrilegious, but I guess we'll allow it, man. Yeah. Uh, no, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I have I had fans of both growing up in my family. And they were constantly bickering. Did you do you do you experience that in your own family? Yeah, I mean, my dad my dad is a passionate Cubs fan, and my cousins are White Sox fans. Um, but for me, like I said, I'm a fan of both. I, you know, if the White Sox and Cubs are in the playoffs, I'll root for both of them. I just want to see a Chicago sports team, you know, win it all. 
And so now, uh, I don't know how old you are exactly now. Were you old enough that you were able to basically, you know, follow the Bulls, the, the you know, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls and the championships? I mean, do you remember those? Did you watch those games? So I'm not old enough for that, mm-hmm. but I did, I did watch the last dance on ESPN. So um, it reminded me a lot of, you know, what my dad always told me about Michael Jordan and how great they were as a team and how, how no one could stop them. So um, for me, my childhood was Brad Miller, Luol Dane, <laughs> um, those kind of players. Yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, I was uh, I'm, I'm 34. So I was old enough or 35 now. Holy crap. I just had a birthday. But uh, now I'm old enough to remember, you know, the last um, championship and, and uh, you know, sitting around the TV and my whole family and just watching it on like, you know, we had two, five, seven, nine, eleven, all those channels. And, and we watched it and like. Uh, even people I didn't care about basketball are watching it. So I remember that, <clears throat> but I wasn't old enough to really understand basketball. I hadn't really played it at a, at a you know high level yet. Um, so, you know, it, it was kind of weird. So, yeah, those are st- those are my Bulls, too, the same Bulls you're talking about. Uh, and obviously, you know, it, peak peak Bulls for, for me and probably for you was like Derek, Derek Rose, Chicago Bulls, obviously, uh, when Thibodeau was a coach. And um, then he moved on. And, and now we're experiencing another peak. I mean, do you think – would you honestly would you say that this team is better than those Derrick Rose Chicago Bulls? Um, I, I would say for me, you know, obviously I've experienced the Derrick Rose days and uh, these kind of games with you know the Marta Rosen, Zach Lamine. I do think um this team is better. I just think, you know, um they don't lack a lot of like I don't see a lot of weaknesses in this team. Obviously, the last couple of games, you know, have showed that they do need to go get like a power forward or someone that can help them on the rebounding um, in the trade deadline. But this team, like you got the Marta Rosen who can struggle for the first three quarters. And when the fourth quarter comes, this guy lights it up. You got Zach Levine that can get going, can score you 20 points in about two or three minutes. You got Nikola Vucevic, who a center that can rebound the ball and can get you also points in the paint. And off the bench, you got Alex Caruso, you got Javante Green, you got Io, you got Kobe White. So I think you got a lot of pieces, um, especially if players are not, you know, have it going. You always got people on the bench that can uh, give you that energy. Yeah, definitely, man. I think, it, you know, it's it's a deep team. And obviously we've seen how those pieces fit together now. Um, you know, the national media people, you know, talking heads at ESPN didn't necessarily think it was going to work. Yeah. Um, obviously that's been dead wrong. Uh, but we have seen, like you said, some some weaknesses. And we'll talk about that. Uh, especially when we talk about this this Brooklyn Nets game. Uh, but before we move on, I always like to ask uh, our, our guests when they come on the show a question. It's kind of just kind of an interesting question. But do you remember where you were when Derrick Rose tore his ACL? Yeah, I was at my house watching with my family. Uh, mm-hmm. I kept asking, why is he still in the game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird because he was like, you know, we were up and, and it was like the game was kind of in hand and, and he's still out there. So um, how did that make you feel, man? I mean, does that... Did your like world come crashing down? Did you like, I know in that moment I kind of like froze up and I was just kind of like, well, crap, you know, the next basically year is done for us. I don't, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. It just, just such a sinking feeling. Did you, did you experience the same thing? Yeah. And I'll never forget watching the post game. Kyle Culver was talking and he said, this was the saddest one he's ever had. And that's basically what I had. It was so sad, but <laughs> you know, um, and then uh, you realize, oh, they did win the game but you don't know what the future holds. So, like, for that moment, you're like, okay, they won tonight's game, but what does the future hold for your franchise player? Um, so, yeah, it was it was very sad. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how are you – how did you feel about, you know, 
the Gar Paxer. I mean, how did you feel about uh, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, as as a front office? Um, I mean, obviously, at towards the end there, uh, we had to move on, you know. And I think that was the right call. But I mean, just tell me, were you, were you more of like an apologist? Because I know at, at basically like three or four years before they were fired, we had kind of separate camps, right? It was people that were just wanting them out. And yep. there were people that wanted to, you know, just say, hey, look what they've done. That's good. So yep. which side of that divide did you fall on at that time? Yes. Yeah, so I would say I didn't mind Gar and Pax just because of the Derrick Rose um, teams that they built, which, I, you know, credit to them because that, that was a really good team. Um my opinion, I guess, changed when they traded Jimmy Butler. And here's the reason. I didn't mind them trading Jimmy Butler. I minded that they lied to Jimmy Butler about okay. uh, about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when my opinion changed. And then you started seeing um, the, the Jim Boylan era, um, how they, they kept – they also gave him an extension, which n- never understood why they gave him an extension. But, you know, in the end of the day – you got to show that, you know, you got to win. This is the Chicago Bulls. This is not like a small market team. So if you're not winning, it's time to go. So I'm happy they made the changes and, you know, you're seeing the results now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're seeing that with the Bears now, too. I'm glad, uh, obviously, Nagy and, and Pace are out. Uh, but this is a Bulls pod, so let's try to stick to Bulls things. So, how? Do, um, so yeah, Boylan, obviously, terrible um, hire, but obviously uh, – you know, we've we've done we've done pretty well in hiring Billy Donovan, right? Have you been yeah. impressed with him so far? Very impressed. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Yeah, and how do you and actually how did you feel about how they treated Thibodeau? I mean, obviously he wanted to be more involved with the front office stuff, mm-hmm. and they just wouldn't do that. So he went to Minnesota, where they basically you know let him allowed him to do that. Um, that didn't turn out so hot, but uh, you know, then again, you know, you feel yeah. like the Bulls could have given him a chance or given him maybe. It, that feels like a little bit of inflexibility when it comes to Garpax, Gar, right? Like they wouldn't really give in anything, any kind of control. They were like kind of control freaks about it. Um, is that the same? Did you read the situation the same way? I mean, how did that make you feel? Yeah. So for me, it really depends on each, I guess, team. You know, a, a coach should be a coach, and a front office member should be a front office member, and should not get into other people's, you know, jobs. So it really depends. I, I would say. For an example, like the Billy Donovan right now, you know, he's the coach, but the Bulls front office does invite him to like trade deadline meetings or anything involving, you know, if there's a trade or a signing that they're interested in, they invite Billy Donovan to talk about that. You know, that's a partnership that they have. They always talk about that. Um, with Tom Thibodeau and Gar and and uh, Pax, it wasn't really a partnership. It was you do your job, we'll do our job. If we want to ask you any questions, we'll ask you questions. You know. For me, I felt like there was always tension, and if there's tension, they'll never work. Yeah, definitely. And and that was my reading of the situation too. I mean, uh, you know, pretty similar to yours. Um, there always seems like there was tension between the front mm-hmm. office and the players and the coaches. It just it never felt like a good environment. And now now that's kind of changed. So that's you know part of what gives us as fans a lot of excitement and a lot of you know optimism. Uh, for this squad and for this team, I mean, it just seems like everyone's having fun and, and there's not really any friction. Uh, aside from people are, tr- people still, I still see people on Twitter, and I should just stay off of NBA Twitter, honestly, but uh, I still see people trying to cause, you know, drama between DeRozan and Zach Levine because it's like, you know, DeMar's the guy, Zach's the guy. Like, who cares who the guy is? Zach wants to win. Um, whether or not he's getting that, those shots in those last seconds, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I don't think there's any friction there. Do you, I, do, have you heard anything different? 
So I, I would say this. I'm on the same boat with you on, you know, I see people saying, oh, this is the Marder Rosen's team. This is Zach Levine's team. I really don't understand it. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, the Bulls are winning. Why would you, you know, create that kind of, like, headlines, all that kind of stuff? For me, it's just, I just don't understand it. And I can tell you they're so unselfish. They don't care. Um, they just want to win. They want to do whatever it takes to win games. If DeMar DeRozan has it going for five straight games or six straight games and Zach Levine is struggling and we're winning, Zach is going to take that any day of the week. So there's the team is so unselfish. There's no egos. They don't care whose team it is or not. Definitely, man. And and I'm, I'm all for that. You know, just team basketball is what I grew up playing. Yeah. You know, my dad was my coach and that's what he always emphasized. And um, you see it with these Bulls, man. They they don't care, like you said, who who scores, who it doesn't matter. Um, there's a lot of camaraderie there, so it's good to see. Uh, obviously, you see DeRozan driving to Champagne and going to you know Io's Jersey retiring ceremony, things like that. So uh, it's awesome to see. Okay, one more question for for Mr. Daniel Greenberg before we move on to our recap here. Uh, okay, so give me your your favorite Bulls player that isn't Michael Jordan or Derrick Rose, past or present. Yeah, I'm going with Jimmy Bowler. I okay, think. all right. <laughs> I know this is a hot topic, and a, a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, is he a more favorite, uh, your player, than Derrick Rose? I'm going to say yes every single oh, really? time. I love Jimmy Butler, yeah. um, not only because, you know, his story, you know, he was homeless. Um, he didn't play as a rookie. And then, you know, look at him now, one of the best players in the league, um, one of the best two-way players in the league. Um not only is he a great guy on the or on the court, he's off the court. He's also a great guy. He donates um, to the Chicago community. He still has a house in Chicago. Um, I just love his the way he plays. And if I need someone to defend the best player like Kevin Durant, I'm going with Jimmy Butler every single yeah. time. Uh, and he really, um, when he played for us, you know, one thing he always had, he had the, the Chicago mentality, right? It was blue collar, hard work. Um, didn't do things the way other people did things, did things his way. Um, he just powered through it, man. Like he just, he gave it 110% and he still does that. He, I yeah. mean, he's injured now, obviously. Um, but when he's not injured, he still gives that, that effort every single night. Uh, and it was always awesome to see, man. One interesting thing, since you bring up him and he's your favorite player, you know, uh, besides Michael Jordan, um, I, you know, I've had some conversations with Mark Kay, um, on Twitter, uh, who's, uh, the host of Bulls HQ pod, um, and I was in, you know, I was talking to him and basically what we, what I said was, hey, he said, you know, look at Patrick Williams numbers, which I, I hate. I hate that. Uh, I hate that argument. Look at the numbers is never going to win with me. You need to actually watch the games. So, you know, basically what he was saying was like, you know, the rebound rate isn't great, blah, blah, blah. You know, the defense, you don't these these stats don't show he's a great defensive player, things like that. But then I, what I said, basically, you know, as a rebuttal was, hey, who thought Jimmy Butler was a great player by year two? Because if you look at his, if you and if you just look at his stats, the only people that thought he was a great player, my co-host said this, and I, I agree with him. The only people who thought he was a great player were the people that were watching the Bulls fans who were watching the games and saw, you know, hey, we've got this guy that actually could be our next Lou Dang that's making a lot less money, obviously. And there's contracts involved. There's more things in that involved. But yeah, hey, this guy has that upside, and he's obviously now he's a better player than Lou Dang. He's an all-star. Yep. <clears throat> so you know. If I put it to you, if I put this question to you, Daniel, do you think Patrick Williams has that kind of upside? Are you higher on Patrick Williams or, or are you just like totally done with him at this point? Uh, no, I'm very high on him. Um, here, what I would say about the Jimmy Butler comparison, Jimmy Butler has said this before privately and publicly. 
that he would not be the player he is today if it wasn't for Luol Deng. Luol Deng not only helped him out off the court, on the court, um, in practices, everything. Luol Deng was his, their brothers. So they still talk to this day. Um, Luol Deng always has helped him out. For Patrick Williams, he needs that kind of guy. And I don't know if he's in the locker room right now, um, but you know he needs that veteran presence that can help him out. Um, I do. I am high on Patrick Williams. I do think that he can be a really good player, but the injuries is just, you know, I just need him yeah. to come fully healthy. I do yeah. think he still has a lot of talent, but he's not going to get better sitting on the bench. He needs to play. Well, we will talk a little bit more, uh, Daniel, uh, later on in the show about just potential trades and what we think about that. Um, so we'll, we'll save that for them. Let's talk about this uh, this Nets game here. So let's move to the present, obviously. Uh, but before I do that, listeners, please go take a moment to go follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. It's the single most dominant fan- basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it, guys. Um, yeah, they, they've got some great fantasy uh, experts over there at Sports Ethos. Uh, I am not a fantasy expert at Sports Ethos, but I do, you know, stuff for Rotoballer and, and stuff like that. But uh, Sports Ethos has great guys too. So go follow them and go win your leagues. But uh, no, man. So so yeah, obviously tough loss against the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. It's it was um, you know I was expecting some disappointment, right? Because it's the it was the third game in four nights. Um, you know, it was just. Uh, it's a nationally televised game. We seem to always just crap the bed in nationally televised games. We were 0-2 in ESPN games now. Um, second half of a back-to-back. Uh, and then Derek Jones Jr. You know, goes down in the first 30 seconds. So, you know, not only was I worried about this game going in, but then him going down in the first 30 seconds really killed it all for me. I didn't think there was any way in the world the Bulls were going to win this game. Did, did you have that same you know thought process, or, or did you think differently about it? Well, when he went down, I was, you know, it, it's a it's a brutal loss because he was a guy that's going to he was going to defend Kevin Durant. You know, I think Derrick Jones Jr. is a very underrated defender. So he was going to defend Kevin Durant in the game. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I'm never counting out the Bulls, especially this season. I think I mean, there have been games where they have been down 11 or 13 heading into the fourth quarter and they ended up winning the game. So. I knew it was going to be much harder for them, even though it was already going to be a hard game because I think the Nets are a really good team. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think the game was all, like, oh, they had no chance. I think it was, they, they. I think for me, they always have a chance. It's just, you know, there's a challenge right there with with Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened there, obviously. We had, you know, Troy Brown Jr. had some goes at him. Obviously, Alfonso McKinney was the main guy trying to pick him up and ended up with five fouls by the end. Uh, I think he might have. He might have fouled out, but I think he ended up with five. Um, Kobe White even had some goes at him. Uh, we had Lonzo Ball at him sometimes on switches, and just it didn't matter who was on Kevin Durant. Um, the guy is just incredible. Uh, he shot seven for 10 <laughs> from the field, uh, 27 points, 10, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, three of four from beyond the arc. So uh, nine assists also, two steals. I mean, he just it was just effortless, like – you, you know, it wasn't he wasn't doing anything like when you watch DeMar DeRozan score sometimes in the mid range. It's like, you know, he has to be crafty and he has to like go through two or three defenders. And uh, but with Kevin Durant, I mean, he's six eleven, seven foot and he can just straight shoot over people. And like you said, without Derrick Jones Jr., I mean, there was 
there was there's nobody on our roster that can really guard him. And and even Derek Jones Jr. is not not if he's having a night like that, it's not it's not going to matter. You know, no one's going to be able to stop Kevin Durant. Um, but this is where we miss Patrick Williams, right? I mean, this is where he would have probably made a difference. I don't know if we would win this game, but um, yeah, that's the guy we're, we're envisioning guards a guy like Kevin Durant. So that's probably why you're high on him, right? Oh yeah, I, I think. You know, you saw it also last year, you know, defending Kawhi Leonard, defending LeBron James. Even LeBron had some – I remember when they played um, the Lakers um, after the game, LeBron had some high words for him. So mm-hmm. I think Patrick Williams is a guy fully healthy. He can defend the, the best players on the other team. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And um, the Bulls did go out and sign uh, Malcolm Hill uh, of the Illini today uh to a 10-day contract so they're, they're getting a little bit of a you know hardship exception or a signing here just a 10-day contract uh, i don't know anything about malcolm hill do you know any much about about malcolm hill <laughs> yeah well i do know that he played a little bit with the atlanta hawks um mm-hmm. he does provide a little bit of size which i mean they'll need that um he's not really a scorer he's more of a like a defender um but i don't see him playing a lot um uh, maybe it's just i guess for emergency um but I mean, it's not a bad signing. It's a ten-day contract, so it's not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he'll 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 get in, and get some minutes. I mean, you know, the, the Bulls are just so decimated right now without Caruso and Javante, and now Derek Jones Jr. I mean, they just need they need somebody to play that four position, three four position, just swing man basically. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is out for four to six weeks, is what we got today because he he did bruise his knee, which is actually good news because it looked almost like a non-contact injury. Um, there wasn't really a lot of contact there. Um, when he took a look at the replay, his knee did bend backwards. So um, could have been worse, but, you know, four to six weeks isn't, isn't too bad. Uh, it was just like a, such a somber air in the arena right after that happened. You even had like the Nets players looking with, um, with concern uh, at him, but, uh, but he, he will be back, but, you know, it's going to be just a rough go um, guarding guys like that, uh, you know, without uh, Derek Jones Jr. or, or, or Javante or Caruso, uh, but hopefully I think um, Caruso is nearing a return. Uh, I know he's going to be out for the game against the Golden State Warriors, um, but he has been you know posting things and and he's been working out before the games and stuff like that. So hoping we're going to get him back. But let's talk a little bit about about Vucevic. Um, before I lay into him about this Bulls Nets game, which I didn't think he played too poorly, to be honest with you, I think it was it was a team loss. But uh, tell me your general thoughts on Vucevic this season, Daniel. Uh, he has struggled, uh, um, but I, I, I do think that he is a really good player. Um, he just, you know, sometimes it looks like, for example, against the Nets, I think he lacked a little bit of confidence, and that I think that happens a lot for him this season, which is, you know, you don't want to see that because I think when he is playing with confidence, I think he's one of the best centers in the league um, and can make a huge difference. Um, but... Yes, he has struggled, but I also think that he has had really good games this year. Um, but the Bulls definitely need him to have more good games than bad games in order for the team to make it far into the playoffs. I uh, I had some New Year's resolutions for the Bulls, and I had some specifically for Nikola Vucevic and for um, Vucevic. I, I've, I've been pronouncing it wrong. I apologize to all the listeners out there. I just looked up today. It's Vucevic. So Nikola Vucevic and uh, and for Kobe White. Uh, for Vuce, I, I wanted him to score a double-double. I wanted him to get you know 10 rebounds, 10 points, and that's it, and just score efficiently. I had a percentage out there too, but that was like kind of a, a tertiary thing. It wasn't – the main thing was just get a double-double. He fell short of that in this game. He only got four, five rebounds. Of course, he didn't play the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bulls starters got pulled. It was a blowout. So he gets a little bit of a pass in this one. 
But like you said, he did look look like he lacked a little bit of confidence earlier in the game. Um, it just it, it seems to be a running theme that because you know I'm looking at Nicholas Claxton was out in this game, um, and uh, and Lamarcus Aldridge was out. So you know you knew Blake Griffin was going to play. Now I didn't I didn't foresee Darren Sharp. Darren Sharp actually has been very solid for the Nets in the last couple of games. Uh, it looks like an absolute steal again for them uh, as a rookie just later in the draft. Cam Thomas, same thing. They, they've done a great job just adding talent uh, with not very much, so just later in the draft. But anyways, uh, I, I'm looking at Vooch, and, and, and he's just struggling to take advantage of smaller defenders, and that just seems to be a theme to me. I mean, he's he he can't do it. I mean, I, and like you said, I, I think he's a talented player. He's got skill. But – if you've got, you know, six, eight, six, nine guys guarding you, and I know Blake Griffin's around that size, and he doesn't have the, the the strength, you would think that Vooch should be able to win that matchup, right? Yeah, it's funny you actually say that. I was at the game, and before the game, I actually was talking to a Western Conference scout, and he said, if Vooch doesn't have a huge game tonight, they're not winning it. He has to take advantage of the of this matchup. This is He said this is free money for him. This, yeah. is, a, this is a game on ESPN where... He should show people that he's one of the best centers in the league. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, those kind of matchups, he has to get the get the going. That's like for him, that's a mismatch every single time. Get the your guy in the post and go to work. He did that a couple of times. But I mean, yeah, I think for him, those kind of matchups, he has to go into those games like, okay, I'm gonna be a big time factor in this game. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. Hopefully, um, against the Warriors, he'll get it going, especially with Draymond Green out. Um, yeah. But yeah, he definitely there. There have been matchups this this season where you go into those games, okay, like Vooch, you're going against a guy that's smaller than you and um, not a really good defender. But in the end of that game, you look at the stat line and you look at the the way he played. He didn't take advantage of that. So, um, like I said, you gotta have him going on like get this guy going because if not you're not going far yeah and that's and that's a bit of a <clears throat> team effort thing too obviously you know it takes um the ball handlers to get him the ball in the right positions it takes the coach to, to drop the plays to get him in the ball in the right spots so so a little bit of a team fail there but i do put a lot of that onus on on vooch um i do think that you know for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I, I think early in the season, he he kind of had like the yips is what I, you know, the way I described it. It basically like he was getting the shots that he wanted. He was had the right motions. He looked good. But now it's like um, his confidence is even like it, it's not the yips. He's still he's making he's not making shots at a high clip, but he's making more shots. But it's more so like he just doesn't doesn't know what he wants to do with the ball when he gets it. So and, and that and that those struggles on offense are compounded by the fact that the other team we saw with the Nets. They continue to attack him on the pick and roll on defense. His defense is just, it, and 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 I don't think he's a bad defender. Uh, let me let me clarify this because there's always nuance, right? He's a great drop coverage defender. He's fine. I mean, he's not great. He's he's above average probably in the in the drop coverage, but with the pick and roll that they were running, they just continue to pick him apart. And they, and we saw it with the Mavericks. We saw that with the Nets. Uh, is that a concern for you going forward? I mean, we don't. I mean, I think having a Patrick Williams type helps that. But is it a concern for you that Vooch can't really guard that pick and roll? I would say it's a concern, but I would say this. It's happening a lot this season, not because, you know, um, I would say it's a concern because he's struggling on offense and he's letting that affect the way he's playing on defense. Mm -hmm. There have been games where he has done really good on offense. He's scoring points, and you can see he's more engaged on defense mm -hmm. just because of that, like, 
he's feeling good and, you know, he's getting back on defense. He's blocking shots. But there are games where he's letting the his struggles on offense affect him on defense, which, yes, it, it, I think it, it it's a problem. Um, hopefully, that's why I say you got to ha- make sure that he's having more good games than not good games because when he's struggling on offense, it looks like it's also translating to the defensive side. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, he is kind of a guy that would probably be affected by that. But um, just some, you know, just some solid, like, actual um, examples. I had to – I forced myself to rewatch the game earlier today. I, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home father during the day for listeners that don't know. So I can put the game on in the background. Obviously, I can't watch as intently as I do at nighttime when my wife is here to watch the kid. But I forced myself to rewatch this one because I wanted to see um, what happened specifically towards the second half of that third quarter – where things just kind of just the wheels fell off, right? And we just kind of just lost everything. And so I was watching Vooch on defense, and you know he had a, a pick and roll uh, with Harden, obviously, and Dayron Sharp mostly. Um, Vooch was inexplicably stuck to Griffin. Actually, this was a pick and roll with Dayron and uh, and Harden, and I think I can't remember who the defender was on Dayron. Vooch was on Griffin though, and Griffin and Vooch was just stuck to Griffin on the three point line, which allowed uh, you know there's no no defense at the rim. So that just allowed a wide open dunk. And then the man sagging off of McKinney uh, and Io in the, into the lane. So they, they have a little bit of uh, issues here too, because um, you know, DeMar was getting double basically, and people were just basically crowding the spots he wants to get to on the floor. So, and it's smart. I mean, I give, you know, I give the Nets a lot of credit here, but basically you had uh, whoever was guarding McKinney or Io was just basically like at the elbow, basically where, where, where DeMar wanted to get. And then um, you had Vooch in the pick and roll again. He did a hard hedge and a Harden on the pick and roll, and De'Aaron Sharp got an easy layup off of that. And then you had Troy Brown Jr. switching on to Harden, and then Lonzo – or I'm sorry, no, this was Tony Bradley switched on to Harden. And then Lonzo tries to swap back, and then there's a miscommunication, and De'Aaron Sharp just gets loose for another wide-open layup. So it wasn't just Vooch, but the Bulls were just – it was like a master class in the pick and roll, what Harden did to the Bulls in that third to fourth quarter. Uh, it was it was tough to watch, man. Did you did, did you did you put, be on? Well, you were there. So yeah. Did you leave? <laughs> so I have a rule that I never leave sports games until, uh-huh. until the end. But I, I will tell you that a lot of people did leave in the third quarter because it looks like every single time they did not miss a shot. Like either there was a foul called. Or they made a shot. And it was just frustrating to see. Um, but, yeah, I, it just looked like they were making every single shot while the Bulls were missing every single shot or there was a turnover. So, yeah, yeah that third quarter, basically, you know, it, it was it was bad. The first half it was back and forth. It was very yeah. entertaining. The crowd was into it. It was a great crowd, great atmosphere. But in the third quarter, it got really quiet in the United Center. Yeah, I mean, we, we stuck with them for 28 minutes. I'm pretty happy about that. Like I said, third game in four nights, uh, back end of a back-to-back. Against that full Nets team, I mean, they had all three of their stars. Any, any team's going to have a hard time guarding that team and beating that team uh, when Kyrie Irving's playing because, uh, you know, like him or not, agree with him or not, he is a very good basketball player, um, you know, so it's, it's really, really difficult to guard all three of those guys. When two of them are going off, doesn't matter which two it is. It's that night, last night it was uh, Harden and, and, uh, and Durant. But if two of them are going off, I mean, just just good luck, right? Just, just hope that your team is also going off or has a couple of guys going off, which the Bulls have. I mean, the Bulls have two guys capable of doing that. It just didn't happen last night. But we stuck with them for 28 minutes or so, so I was proud. Tied 71-71, and then the Nets went on a 30-8 to run to close out that third quarter in the final seven-ish, seven-ish minutes, basically. 
And that was basically it. I'm guessing a lot of people left with like 9.30 left in the third when Dayron Sharp fouled Lonzo on the outlet and they didn't call it. And then Harden comes back and gets like a phantom foul on Vucevic. Like that that was ridiculous. Do you remember that? Because like yep. know, Harden just kind of threw it up and 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 they were like, and, and there was no foul, no foul at all. How did people react in the in the United no, States? No, yeah, people were people were not happy about it. Um, yeah, but I would say that Nets team, they're a really good team. But I think what a lot of people are not talking about, which I think it, Patty Mills is having a great season for them. Yeah, and I, true. And I think he's a really important player for them. And if he doesn't get it going, I think they struggle. And I, I think behind Kevin Durant, I think Patty Mills is the second most important player on, on that team. I think the way he plays not only on offense uh, and scoring buckets, I, I felt like he was making – every time he was he had a three, he was making it. But also that defense, he was getting into Zach Levine. Um, mm-hmm. So – I, I think that that Nets team is really good. I don't know what, but the thing is, yep, they lost, but uh, I mean, I wake up today and we're still in first place. So yeah, it's all for, for me, you know, it's not like they were going to win every single game. You know, yeah. the Nets are a really good team, but we all also be in them this season. So, yeah. you know, you go back and forth with them and hopefully we'll see them in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. The games are still, uh, the uh, Bulls are still a game and a half in first place. So uh, context matters. Um one thing I did notice I wanted to ask you about, Daniel, uh, about with this Nets game and just in general, Zach Levine uh, struggled with some ball security there, especially yeah. in the fourth quarter. He had three turnovers. Uh, that's been kind of a theme for the Bulls, too. Is that something that concerns you? Is it, Do you think his hand's still bothering him or, or his wrist or whatever was, uh, his issue was? So he did say last week that he is fully healthy, um, but he did say that it was bothering him for a couple of weeks. But yes, the turnovers, I actually uh, made that comment to one of my friends that was with me at the game yesterday. I said the turnovers, it feels like every single game he's having those sloppy turnovers on fast break or, you know, when he's trying to do it all by himself, you know, then there's a trap coming and he loses the ball. So, yeah, the turnovers are um, a concern for me. But for me, it's like, yes, they're a concern. But I guarantee you against this Warriors game, it's going to be a lot different because it yeah. seems like every time they, they lose these kind of games, they bounce back. So yeah. um, I, I think Zach, for him, I think he's still learning how to play with DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo mm-hmm. Ball, and, and Vooch because he hasn't played with this kind of talent ever. You know, mm-hmm. so I think he's still learning. Um, I think, you know, the season for me, I mean, it's not the second half of the season. So I think once you get to that second half of the season, that's when you know, you'll know you start seeing the team, you know, that chemistry go a little more up and the team playing much better. <clears throat> and he still had a good game. Like, don't get me wrong, guys. He shot 8 of 13, 22 points. He had six assists. The only issue is that he had those five turnovers. Uh, and that does concern me a little bit. Uh, and it has happened a few times uh, in some big games. So uh, something to look out for. But I think, like you said, I think it'll be OK in the long run. Everything will be just fine. Uh, you know, obviously, all the all the stars, like I said, were pulled in the fourth. So he, he didn't even have the best game he could have had. Uh, if they were pulled in the fourth, he probably missed on some bets. But I actually won some money on that because I was playing Thrive Fantasy and I had Zach Levine's under on his points and assists and he uh, 28.5 and he ended right at 28. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But uh, 
just you know, while while we're talking about that, we do have a brand new fa- daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code Ethos when you sign up to get 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team, which includes me, Keith or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Yeah, I placed in second in two, uh, two contests yes- yesterday. So uh, get on that, guys. If you play props and uh, look at props, it is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a good little pastime. But uh, okay, so back to the Bulls, though. Uh, one loss in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. Another New Year's resolution I have for the Bulls was to beat the Warriors on January 14th. So we are looking at that uh, at that game here. It's I think it's important because it's on. It was going to be you know on the main stage. Both these teams were hot. Uh, obviously, the the Warriors have been struggling as of late. They're going to be without Draymond Green. Uh, most likely going to be without Clay Thompson too because he is playing tonight. And it's going to be a back to back. Second half of the back at the back for them. So and we just came off a bad loss against Brooklyn. I'm loving the Bulls here, right? I think they're going to have a bounce back game. What, how do you feel about it? I'm with you. I, I mean, for me, I go into every single Bulls game thinking they're going to win. I don't go into games thinking they're going to lose. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think it's important for them to win this game. And then you got that back-to-back against the Celtics. So they'll right after the, the game tomorrow night, they're going straight to Boston. So I think you got to take care of this one. You know, show the Warriors that, hey, you guys beat us before, but we'll get, uh, we got this one in the bag. And especially, you know, I believe this game is also on ESPN. So, you know, show also the national audience that, yeah, we lost to the Nets, but we can we can also be uh, really good teams and we can bounce back. Yeah, and I'm going to need to see some more from Vucevic, man. He's got to he's got to take advantage here, like you said, um, against a smaller team. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got Kevon Looney playing a lot of minutes and then they'll play some small ball five. So um, Vooch has to take advantage here on offense. It's just got to happen because, it's, you know, I think teams are going to continue to try to exploit the pick and roll defense, his pick and roll defense. So uh, if he's just not giving us anything on offense, it's going to be tough. But uh, yeah, Clay Thompson, if you guys remember, torched us for an NBA record 14 three pointers in 2018 in just 26 minutes. He didn't even play the fourth quarter. So um that leaves a little bit of a, of a bad taste in my mouth, too. I'd like to get some revenge there. And then I, the last game, I don't know if this made you upset. Uh, and I like, I mean, Steph Curry, I like him okay. I don't like him as much as some people do. But when he uh, hit that three and turned around and, like, pointed to the crowd, you remember that moment? How'd that make you feel? <laughs> don't like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like the show, but he does a lot of that stuff on the court. I don't get why people are, like, so defensive of him. Like, he's small, and he scores, and he's a good player, and, and I get it. But like the dude's kind of a kind of, you know, not 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 my favorite guy in the world, just based on like the little shimmies he gives and stuff on the court. Yeah. He just does a lot of show off stuff. So I don't know. Not my favorite player. But let me ask you a question here, uh, Daniel. I didn't uh, bring this up before, but I did. I had a thought while I was preparing for this show. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Alex Caruso is injury prone? Because uh, I'm looking at his I was looking at just his, his you know games played the last few seasons. I mean, he's never played a full season. Played 58 games last season, 64 the season before. Uh, he's missed 10 games this season already with injuries out of the 39. So that's, that's over a quarter of the games. Uh, I mean, do you, do you think this is a, a concern we should have with Alex Caruso? I don't think it's a concern. It's just the way he plays. Um, I, I think he plays – he's one of the most – like I feel like the most intense 
players in the NBA, especially the way he plays on defense. You know, I mean, he's fully healthy. It's just he's in the health and safety protocol, which, you know, if he wasn't for the health and safety protocol, he would have been back um, like a, I'm pretty sure like a week and a half ago or two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's just he's fully healthy. You know, his hamstring, everything is good to go. Just he's in health and safety protocol. And that's the reason why he's um, still out. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the last two years, and just in the last two years, um, I was just counting the reasons he's missed games. Twice he's missed for calf injuries, twice for a concussion, three times for a neck injury, twice for a hamstring injury, twice for a hand injury, twice for a wrist injury, once for a knee injury, once for a back injury, uh, twice for foot injury, and once for an ankle injury. So this guy, he's missed a lot. And like you said, he, does, he plays all out. Like this guy just... Hustle player gets on the floor, does all the dirty things that you that you love to see. Um, but I'm just, I, you know, I, I don't know if you can count on him for a full 82 games. I think that he's he's going to be more like a, uh, you know, 60 to, to 65 game guy, right? He's going to miss you know 15 to 20 games a season. So, just something that um, I wouldn't say concerns me, but something that you know I think the Bulls brass needs to take into mind uh, when they do personnel moves is you're not going to get a full. You, you can't count on him to be entirely healthy all year and let's hope it doesn't happen during the playoffs right do you think they, they should maybe just let them rest like the week or two before the playoffs yeah i just you know i just gotta get all the, all your players fully healthy for the playoffs because when you know that's when it really counts um but yeah for, for me like caruso i think the way he plays i don't think there's a lot of players out there in the nba that played the way he does especially on defense um so you are gonna get those you know kind of injury bugs with him but, uh, you know, like I, like I said with Jimmy Butler, uh, I'll take Caruso, too, ten, every single time, especially the way he plays defense and also on offense. Um, but in the, in the end of the day, you just need them to be fully healthy uh, come playoff time. You brought up Jimmy Butler again. I, I forgot to ask you. that I had this running through my mind, and I just completely forgot about it. But um, I did not like the Jimmy Butler trade when it, the night it happened. Now, looking back, now that we've got Zach Levine, um, you know, I'm okay with it. I think it was probably the right move at the time. How do you feel looking back? You know, that now that you've got some distance from it, still don't like it. No, still no. don't like it. We should have held on to him. Go because, ahead. yep, Zach Levine's a, a good player, but that trade it wasn't just for Zach Levine. It was also for Chris Dunn and Larry Markkinen. I wish they hit on Larry Markkinen or Chris Dunn. You know, yeah, that that would have made a difference for me. But a one to one is I I don't like that at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so speaking of the Bulls personnel, though, I did want to get your thoughts here on, um, you know, just whether or not you think the Bulls need a trade. It sounded like, I mean, you've already basically said that it sounds like you do think that they need, you know, just a, some size, a four, basically, a power forward. Um, so so just give me your thoughts there. What, you know, what, what are we missing? What do we need to add? Yeah, I just think, so if you would have asked me this question, maybe the first, you know, 20 games of the season, I would have said, you know, they're all good. I think there's no weakness in this team, but I think the last two weeks or so, I think the rebounding has, you know, cost them uh, points. And, you know, there's been games this year where they've lost because of giving offensive rebounds, second chance points. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, they're going to get players in the trade deadline. For me, I don't think they're going to get players in the trade deadline. I think they're going to get players in the buyout market. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, I don't think there's players on the team that you're going to give up for players that are maybe available in the trade deadline. I don't think you want to get rid of Kobe White. Kobe White has played really well the last week or so. Um, I'm not trading away Patrick Williams. Um, so I don't think there's, you know, players on the team that you can give away. 
I just think the buyout market is where it's going to be. Yeah, and they have reported also that the um, you know Bulls brass isn't looking to move Patrick Williams, which I think is a smart move. I'm uh, we did a, we did a whole show uh, about Patrick Williams, basically uh, my co-host uh, Trey Hill and I uh, about why we think the Bulls should hang on to, to Patrick Williams. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it uh, now. You can find it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I think that they should definitely hold on, hold on to Patrick Williams. They are uh, looks like they're going to do that. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I think they're going to make some moves around the margins. Some guys I'm looking at in that case would be like a Tory Craig or a Robert Covington, which I think, you know, Covington could be bought out by the Trailblazers uh, because they're not going anywhere. They're bad. And, and Damian Lillard might not play again this season. Uh, I'd be looking at guys like maybe maybe upgrading Tony Bradley into someone like an Avika Zubak. Uh, over at the, the Clippers, who, who are another team that's basically, you know, they're not getting Paul George back. Maybe not going to get him back this season. Uh, Kawhi's probably not going to return this season. So, um, you know, some guys like that, like how, how would you think about, you know, it, maybe it would be like a trade, but it wouldn't be something that you'd have to give up a lot of assets for it. Yeah, I, I just think for me, when I look at the roster, you know, and you look into like the contract situation and everything that's happening, I just think that, you know, Teams are going to ask for a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and teams know that the Bulls are good. And I, I can tell you there there are teams that don't want the Bulls to win. So I, I, I think they're going to ask for a lot. And that's why I think the buyout market is where it's going to be. I think people are going to be surprised on who's going to be available at the buyout market. And, you know, yeah, there's trade rumors going on, you know, with Kobe White, Patrick Williams, Grant. I, I can tell you that. The Bulls are not telling anyone their plans, so it's coming from other teams. Um, So that's why, you know, I I don't think you're going to give up Kobe White. I would be shocked. Patrick Williams, I would also be shocked. Like I said, I think the buyout market is where it's going to be, and I think there's going to be good players that are going to be at the buyout market that are going to want to come to the Bulls, and the Bulls are not going to have to give up any players. So, so now that we – and the Bulls also have a um, 5 million TPE from the Daniel Tice trade, by the way. So <clears throat> they could theoretically trade like a second round, future second round. They only have a couple sec- future second round picks, but they could trade one of those for like a Torrey Craig type or something who's making a, a few million a year. And they can absorb that without going over the cap or uh, they might hit the luxury, but it, it wouldn't matter too much. So um, so that's, that's a possibility. And now that we've established that that's probably what's going to happen because I think we're both – you know, in sync with as far as that goes. Let's entertain some of these. So, um, so I do have a, a trade here that was suggested by Will Gottlieb of the Athletic uh, and Mark of Bulls HQ Hoop Pod worked on it with him as well. Uh, who's a guy I seem to bring up every single week. I must have a, a, a real obsession with the guy. But anyways, uh, they brought up this uh, three-team trade between the Bulls, Hornets, and Pacers. The Bulls would get Jeremy Lamb, Torrey Craig, and PJ Washington. Okay, pretty pretty nice. They would give up Derek Jones Jr. Kobe White and their uh, first round draft pick that they have from Portland. So the one that's probably not going to convey, uh, they would still keep their own first round draft pick. So basically they're getting rid of Derek Jones Jr. And they're getting rid of uh, uh, of Kobe White uh, in exchange for, again, Torrey Craig, who I think is a great fit for us right now. Jeremy Lamb, eh, whatever. I'm not too, you know, too high on him. Probably just makes the salaries work. And PJ Washington, which I would love to have PJ Washington as that that four guy who can hit a, hit down an open jumper. And he can play defense one through four, basically. How, how do you feel about it? I don't think the Hornets would do that trade. Yeah, well, well, just talking from the Bulls standpoint, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the Hornets would be getting Miles Turner uh, from the Pacers. 
okay. they'd be getting Derek Jones Jr. from the Bulls. So they'd be getting Miles Turner, which is nice. Uh, yeah. I didn't mention that part. I was just mentioning the Bulls part. So yeah. um, so how, no, how do you feel about that? I think it's a good, <laughs> I think it's a good trade for the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about the whole contract situation for each player. Um, but for me, you know, a lot of people, here's what I would say. And this is why I bring up the contract situation is because Zach Levine's contract is coming up in the offseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you and that cap space with what people are expecting him to sign that max deal, if it's going to be with the Bulls, you're not going to have a lot of cap space. So you, you don't want this to trade for players just for this season. Yep. And if they if those players that you're trading also have contracts for, you know, next season or two years mm-hmm. from now, you don't want that cap space to fill up before, so you don't have a chance to sign Zach Levine. Um, so that's why, you know, that contract is all – contracts are always – Interesting to me with um, the Grant, Grant, for example, or Harrison Barnes, because I, I kind of look at it. Okay, great, they're good for this season, but what about next year or two years or in the you know the off season? Especially with Zach Levine um, and Kobe White, you know his contract um, is going to come up soon. So um, that's that's why I always believe that the buyout market is going to be the place where the Bulls are going to be active in. Yeah, and, um, and Zach Levine's going to get the max contract. Uh, it's probably going to be this offseason, so that's going to yeah. happen. Uh, Torrey Craig, uh, just to tell you, he's making $2.4 million a year for two years, so he'll be making $2.4 million next year. Uh, P.J. Washington, $2.1 million next year. Jeremy Lamb, who's the other guy we're getting in this situation, is $10.5 million, but it's only this year. It's an expiring contract. So I think the contracts would actually be okay here. So I actually, kind of, I actually like this trade a lot, like you said. I don't know how interested the Hornets would be. This is coming from Bulls fans, basically. So I don't know how much the Hornets would be into it. Um, And the Pacers, they're getting a nice haul. They're getting Kobe White. They're getting two first-round picks. They're getting a first-round pick from the Hornets also. Uh, They're getting Mason Plumlee and and Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, I mean, the Pacers are are rumored to be wanting a rebuild, but I don't know how much they'd be into this trade either. So uh, more like a pipe dream than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Grant. uh, And, you know, I've seen some other stuff around there. would you, I mean, would you like that fit with the Bulls just from a basketball standpoint? Like just putting the 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 contracts aside, you're shaking your head. No, no you don't like it. Okay, go ahead. Talk. <laughs> no, not a fan of it uh, at all. Not sure why people like it. Um, uh-huh. For me, I think if he comes in, I think he's going to ruin the team chemistry. Um, just because, you know, you got DeMar DeRozan, a mid-range kind of guy. Grant is also a mid-range kind of guy. You got Booch, who's also a mid-range kind of guy. Um, so for me... I wouldn't take Grant, you know. I I don't think his contract is the best for the Bulls long term. And I rather, like I said, I think people are thinking that the Bulls are going to be big fish in the trade deadline just because the team is really good. But, I mean, this team, you know, yep, they're good, really good this season. But you also got to look ahead in, in a year, two years, three years, like that five-year plan. Um, so I, I, think that, I think the Bulls are going to get players either in the trade deadline or the buyout market, but I'm looking for it to be more in the buyout market. Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree with you there. And I agree also that the fit is just not great. I don't understand why people are high on this either uh, and are suggesting it. It's um, I think it's, it would take too much to get him because you most likely have to go pe- give up Patrick Williams. And Patrick. so, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Yep. And there's no, and there's no way I'm going to do that. So I just don't think there's any way in, in heck that uh, you're going to get Jeremy Grant. Sorry, Bulls fans. Sorry, people that are excited about that. Um, one guy uh, that I am kind of curious about, uh, and I don't think so. this would happen in real life, but in, I'm part of a mock trade deadline, which is a lot of fun. And it's just, it's just for fun, obviously. This is just some NBA fans running this through. 
But I was able to trade for Pascal Siakam. I had to give up Io DeSumo and Kobe White and Patrick Williams and a first-round pick. But I got pa- I got Pascal Siakam. What, what, how do you feel about that one, if we were to get that guy? I mean, I would love to have him on the team. It's just – That's a lot to give up, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And, you know, the Bulls are already with the, those draft picks. You know, there's not a lot of draft picks available for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, he would. I think he would be a, a good player for them, especially, you know, he has a connection with DeMar DeRozan because he played with the Raptors. Um, so I, I think he'll be a good fit, but I don't, I don't think it's something that long-term would be, I guess, something that good for the Bulls. Yeah, this is something like, you know, and I'm not looking at the cap situation at all in the future yeah. because who cares? It's just a mock trade deadline. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about, oh, man, if I was going to build a team, what would it be awesome? So and I actually didn't give up a trade uh, a draft pick in that one. I, I misspoke. But, um, no, it's good that you're talking about that because, guys, if you're listening, we are having Ryan Borgia on, and I hope I'm saying that right, on uh, this weekend. He's going to come on following the Warriors game tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to discuss just the the Bulls cap situation and possible trades and how that affects it. So uh, please tune in for that one too. But uh, man, Daniel, it's it's been awesome to talk with you about the Bulls, man. Uh, any final thoughts you have on this Bulls season or, or you know, the Warriors game or, or things coming up you'd like to share before we head out? Um, I mean, I always tell people, don't sleep on the Bulls. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a really good team. You know, they might have struggled a little bit, but they're still in first place. Um, and I they have really talented players. And vote, vote for them for the All-Star game. Yes, yes. Get out there and vote Zach Levine for the All-Star game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's doing well so far with that, but still vote for him too. Uh, and, and Vooch, if you'd like to. Throw, throw Lonzo in there. Throw them all in there. Who cares? Uh, but no, coach. yeah. <laughs> to get them all in there, man. But, uh, man, thank you for coming on, man. Quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Uh, we are Sportsitos. We used to be HOOPBALL, so that's why those promo codes are HOOPBALL. But uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. Please do tune in to our show tomorrow again with Ryan, the Bulls GM, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, definitely go give Daniel uh, Greenberg here a follow. That's at Shy Sport Updates, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. I hope I am. And uh, give him a follow if you aren't already. And uh, that's going to be it. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.